Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It's so nice to have another studio. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. We got some nice uh, fake plants here today. I thought the the background was a little different. It's kind of cute, you know? Yeah. I like it, you know? The Tent of Shem, yeah. The Tent of Shem. It's good stuff. Um, Today is our special... Tuesday, November 3rd, Election Day podcast. <laughs> you can't get anything better than that. No, no. And I, I, I see an I voted sticker. Did you vote? Yes, I did. I did. I voted. So you did your civic duty. I sure did. And I knew who to vote for. And praise God. I sure knew. Praise God. That's good news. You know, I'll tell you what. It's important that everybody gets out and votes. Um, by the time many of you are going to watch this, it's already too late. We may know. We may know the results of the election. We may not. Tomorrow morning. You know, the media seems to be setting us up for not knowing. But um, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because yeah, Jesus cast down vain imagination is king. Jesus right. is king. Amen. And uh, the good news is we didn't have an election about that. They were just like, you know, you should have voted earlier. There's going to be long lines and all this. Stuff. I'm thinking to myself, no, there's not. And I go right to my precinct. Yeah. And I walk right in and I vote. I voted early. I waited in like a 45 minute line. Wow. But um, and I went at like 640 in the you morning. Know, that just brings flashbacks to Black Friday. <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving. Well, so far, there's been record early voting turnout, which is, I mean, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. I mean, people are getting uh, their votes in. They're making their voices heard. Their votes are counting. People are, you know, it's unprecedented. People can check online to make sure their vote made it in and that it counted and all that stuff. All, all good stuff. But for us, we're not worried about the American Constitution today. Today, we are focused on God's Constitution, the Torah. That's right. Amen. Amen. We are studying the Torah portion Va'ira, which is he appeared, or and he appeared. That little V in the beginning is the and. And that's found in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 18 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 22 and verse 24. But, one little teaser before we jump in. There is a winner. We have a winner. Of the three CDs. Are you guys excited? We have a winner for the three CDs. But you're going to have to wait till the Aaron. end to find out who it is. <laughs> oh, that was good. Nice little plug there. Let's do it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do All it. All right. So anyway, the book of Genesis is about a book of beginnings. And of course, chapters 1 through 11, we have the race as a whole. In chapters 12 to 50, we're going to get into the family of Abraham. Uh, is there anybody out there that's the seed of Abraham? That's right. I see that hand. So once again, uh, of course, we're going to be getting into Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the story moves along. So here we are in Vayida, and he appeared, and we are in Genesis uh, chapter 18. And so who appeared to Abraham in the plains of Mamre? It says the Lord and two other men. So basically what we have here is a theophany. A theophany is taking place. Uh, read your Bible. Take the scriptures literally. Mm-hmm. Now, God can appear any way that he wants. He can appear as a man, a child, a woman. He can, he can appear any way that he wants. Uh, some have even said that uh, the, the reason why Jesus could elude his captors or the mob was that he, was, he could actually change his appearance in the crowd. 
Mm. So, you know, he's a, he's above nature. He's outside of nature. Yeah. He's outside of time. Yeah. When someone said like a, like a, a shapeshifter or something like that, I was like, oh, that's that gets me thinking. Yeah, well, this is one of those times where it actually uses the word Yahweh. It doesn't say the angel of the Lord. It says the Lord. It says Yahweh appeared to so, Abraham. So Abraham gave them water, washed their feet, and fed them under a tree. And, and so, once again, uh, we can see this transpiring. And, of course, he was he was quick to run out to them. He had quick obedience. Yeah, he did. Uh, Abraham was very obedient in that regard. He didn't drag his feet, you know. Uh, and so he, he, he has good character. Of course, we see that Sarah prepared some of the meal there. So that's like the first cook in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Uh, the very first male cook in the Bible would be Jacob when he was cooking the soup or the stew. Right. And Esau wanted it. But actually, Sarah is the first one to prepare a meal in the Bible. And so that's pretty cool. Uh, so here's the thing, you know, when Abraham saw these three men approaching, you know, he was quick to, to have obedience, but he had some incredible hospitality. So, so, Ryan, here's the question. Why is the gift of hospitality that Abraham gave to the three strangers so important today for God's children? Why is hospitality so important? Mm, so hospitality spreads joy, right? When you show up somewhere, uh, especially let's say these guys are walking on a long journey and they appear to Abraham, and in this case— how awesome is it for him to, you know, get them ready, wash their feet, feed them, give them everything that they need because they need it, right? So hospitality in this case was uh, a way of providing for somebody. However, in today's world, hospitality is much more cultural, social, and I'm sure it was back then as well, but people enjoy when they are catered to. They feel important. They feel loved. They feel, um, I don't know what's the word, uh, they feel, I don't know, revered in some way shape or form when, when they receive hospitality and so it's a way for us it like shows value just and right worth. right they feel valued. value and worth value yeah my children are always waiting on me hey i need six ice cubes and some water from the fridge in here or, yeah hey go put six this, ice go, go put this oh i count them go put this plate back in the, <laughs> don't just put some ice in my cup i need six ice cubes all right yeah, elongated <laughs> not crushed uh they always give good hospitality. They do. Hey, take my plate, you know, and yeah. go put it in the sink. So, you know, and, and we all, we, we learn that to, to serve each other. Sure. But hospitality is so important. You know, it's, it's interesting, too, and I'm not causing a ruckus here or anything, but in Genesis 18, 8, God ate meat and dairy together. Now, the yes. thing is, you know, and, and, and if you ever get a chance to look up Pat Boone, who gave a little, he shared a little bit at the, at the event, The Return, Pat Boone was talking about how much God loves to eat. Right. And and Jesus loved to eat. Remember the fish fry and the Last Supper. And he had supper with his friends before Passover. So I want to tell you guys something. Man, God loves to eat. He invented the barbecue. Oh, absolutely. He had a fish fry. Remember Yeshua was cooking fish on the on the banks there? And so I just want to submit to you that uh, you know, Yeshua came to serve and not be served. And if you remember in the end of the last Torah portion, the sign of circumcision was given to Abraham, and they cut the covenant. So right. the covenant was sealed, and then what do you do after the covenant you is sealed? You have a meal. You have a That's meal. That's really good. And so right here we and start And, of course, we meal. know as far as hospitality goes, Yeshua washed the disciples' feet. So when was the last time you served anyone? Mm. Hey, can I get you a glass of water? Can I get you something? Hey, would you like something? You know, like my wife will go out. She'll say, hey, I'm, I'm out. What, would you like something? What do we need? That's nice. You know, yeah. It is. So I'm only sharing this because it's so important in the times in which we live because it, it, gets, it gets rid of that selfish spirit. Yeah. You know, but I love it that Yeshua washed the disciples' feet. Yeshua came to serve and not be served. And we can all practice serving at church, in our families, you know, working as a team, working together. 
And, you know, another reminder is, and I'm not going to go there, but in Exodus 19, there was this great marriage covenant through the Mosaic Covenant, the giving of the Torah. Amen. And it says that God, of course, had a meal. Right. So you people are the wondering, 70 elders up there. Yeah. yeah. So Nadab and Abihu were actually a part of that. Before so would you God say it's a, it's a pattern? It's a pattern. It's a pattern. So, so God shows up and has a meal. So, so when you have food, you know, fellowship and faith. You know, when Yeshua shows up after being resurrected— yeah. Right? What happens? They have a, a fish fry That's right. on the beach. That's what I was telling you. Man, it's a pattern. And then, of course, we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage supper of the Lamb. Wow. There's so, something to this. There, so we're going to move on here. But Abraham was told that Sarah would have a son, and while she heard it in the tent door, she laughed within herself, uh, but denied it when asked. She was afraid, but the Lord knew. So once again, this covenant is made. Names are changed, and incredible things are happening. You know, and we talk about circumstances, you know, and we're going to even uh, reflect on that as we move forward. So, so why would she laugh? I mean, what's what's the well, reason she's, she would laugh? What, 90 years old? And so does and anybody can, listening nope. to this, do you guys ever have anybody 90 years old that you knew that had a kid? No. I've never heard of that. Um, we've got some people in here. That, that is are, humorous, though. It, so when somebody tells you that, it's right. such a bold, audacious promise that you would laugh at it. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know? So I think it's a, uh, interesting that she laughs, but then she's like, wait a second. He just promised this is like, this guy's like the real deal, and he's saying it, so I'm going to And, not, and you know, here, here's it. the interesting thing, you know, and, and I want to encourage all of you that are listening. Yeah, there's judgment in the earth, but we're not appointed to God's wrath. No, but yeah, I will say this, though. There is revival. There is the restitution and the restoration of all things. Right. And so we're seeing a people being restored back to his word and to what God is doing. So all of a sudden now we have this incredible event of the food and the lunch and everything and all of that. And, and the circumcision has already taken place. The covenant's already been made. And so why was God going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? Mm. Uh, it says in the scripture uh, in Genesis eighteen twenty that their cry was great and their sin very grievous. So here's a covenant keeping God yeah. saying, listen, Abraham, I'm getting ready to judge Sodom. Yeah. Now, if we let Scripture interpret Scripture, there's more to the story. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 48 through 50, we also have some other things going on here that's told to us through the prophet Ezekiel. There was pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. Not good. And neglecting the poor and needy, and then they committed abomination. So the case was being built. Yeah. You know, just like when does judgment come? It's when the cup runs over. The cup isn't quite full yet. Remember among the different ites? Yeah, right. I think it was the Amorites. The, the cup's not yeah. yet full. Right. But when it spills over, judgment's coming. And so that's why we got to really be praying for this election and the next president or, or whoever it's going to be, because it is so important to make it a prayer target, you know, that the gospel would come into their path, their life. Uh, and, and it's so important, even for the cabinet, pray that laborers would come into their path. But what was Abraham's question about his judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah? What a big question. Wilt thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? So in Isaiah, I think it's 118. I'll look it up here. God inspired me years ago in my apartment when I got saved about, he showed me this verse. It says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God is always Want, wanting to reason with us, yeah, to show us, you know, the, the the rationality of his judgment and spiritual laws. Hey, let us reason together. I want to forgive you. I am a holy God. No sin can come in my presence. 
and I want to show you what it's going to take. Well, there's no doubt that he gives us the opportunity to make it right. And then and he gives us another opportunity, another opportunity, and then finally, when, as you mentioned, that cup runs over, and then it's Well, that's the whole thing. You know? I mean, we can go to God about everything. So Abraham asked if God would spare the city if there were 50 righteous, and God said yes. Abraham then goes on to decrease the number of the righteous from 45 to 30 to 20, and lastly, 10. Would you spare the city if there's 10? He said yes. And that was the final number, and this is where we get the, the, the word minion is mm-hmm. 10. So what we know the is 10 that days the, of all, the 10 lost tribes. So yeah, in order yeah, yeah. for Jews to pray publicly, they need a minion. They need 10 yeah. uh, for certain prayer meetings or prayer groups or prayers. So that's chapter 18. And now we're going to get into Genesis 19. Uh, God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. So who was it that met the two angels while sitting in the gate of Sodom? Lot. Lot was at the gate. So Lot met the men. So God stayed behind and sends the two angels and they go and they meet Lot at the, the gate. So here's another story unfolding right before our very eyes. You know, I don't have the reference in, in I think it's in one of Peter's letters. He talks about Lot was a righteous man, but he was vexed. Yes. So what does that mean, Pastor Nick? Well, this is what it means. A lot of times we put ourselves in difficult situations or circumstances mm-hmm. that we should not have. Yeah. You know, be at the right place at the right time. So Lot invited the two angels into his house and made them a feast along with unleavened bread. So they didn't have time for the bread to rise. So they had, you know, I guess you want to call it what Triscuits. So they had a, a feast along with unleavened bread. When the men of Sodom circled Lot's house and called out to him that they wanted the two angels to come out so they could know them, which is an improper relationship, Lot was willing to give them his two virgin daughters instead. That's a, now, whole, that's a big statement that he was willing to give them the two virgin yeah, daughters. Yeah, because here's the thing, Ryan, is, as we want to look at this. So basically, these, these men circle the house, and they're saying, hey, we want to know those angels Yeah, intimately. So it's called an improper relationship. We use that kind of terminology. So what comes to mind is this. So they wanted to have some kind of a relationship with these angels. Now, in Genesis 6-4, it says, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that. When the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Hmm. Now, we know there's references in the New Testament that these angels left their first estate. They're locked up for judgment. They have chains. But once again, uh, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and we can find this in Job as well, that these sons of God, along with Satan, come before God's throne. It's right. in the beginning of Job. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is that there's an improper relationship going on here that they wanted to have with these angels. So that's that's not a good thing. And for us, we can assume based on the fact that they wanted this improper relationship that they were aware or had participated in other relationships like this in well, the past. It's just, you know, and I know this is controversial, but but you know, if if it's true that this happened in the past, there was a history of angels being with Homo sapiens or angels going in unto the women. Yeah. then this is no different. And so once again, while Lot was speaking to the crowd outside the door, they wished to do him harm as well. And so the two angels pulled Lot back into the house. And then, of course, the two angels or the two men smote the men at the door with blindness, both small and great. And that's what happens when you're in kind of debauchery or an unnatural love or improper relationships. You can be blinded to the truth of God's natural right. laws versus unnatural love. And and so what we're seeing this uh, as it's unfolding, we're actually seeing this play out right now. 
because the angels were sent to get Lot and his family out. Yeah. Now, I would like to mention that I don't necessarily believe that Lot was willing to give his daughters up. No, um, not like that, I don't think. No, I think that Lot knew, um, whether it be because these men weren't interested in women or these men were only interested in the angels at that time. I think that this was kind of like, uh, hey, I've got two virgin daughters right here, almost in a, a way of knowing that they're not interested in her. Or interested in his well, daughters. that's a good point, but still, I mean, offered up his daughters is kind of a. I, I would venture to say it was sarcasm in some way, shape, or form, or that he knew they weren't going to go for his daughters, and it was almost like a, a slap in their face. There are times when I can really relate to people <laughs> in the Bible, but I, I'm going to have five daughters. I have four. I, I would not offer. I, I have would. Three. I would die for yeah. my daughters. Amen. I'd fight for them. They'd that have to get through that door to get to my daughters. That makes two of us. I agree. I'm just saying, you know. So anyway, let's go ahead and move on to. Um, why did the two men tell Lot to get his family out of the city? Because uh, they were about to destroy it. Very good. So, Ryan, why don't you hit these bullet points here, these uh, outline here, um, because basically, you know, this story unfolds, and it's serious. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of people are involved here. It's not just Lot, but it's his wife, his daughters, his sons-in-law. Let's develop the story. Yeah, bottom line is they didn't find ten righteous in the cities. And Mike Cromwell was mentioning last night that it was the five cities surrounding there based on the five kings from the previous That's not good. Portion. No, it's not good at all. I think there's ten righteous at Beit Tehillah. I believe so. I mean, just I'm between hoping. our two families. That's what I'm we talking gotta, about. Let's yeah, do it. Let's do know? it. Come on. Boom. So when Lot told his sons-in-law that the Lord was going to destroy the city, they thought he was mocking. Uh, also, in the uh, New American Standard, it says jesting, and in the NIV, it says joking. So they thought that he was, you know, just playing around. Yeah, um, ha, 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 ha. No. So the next morning, Lot was lingering or hesitating, and the two men had to take Lot and his family by the hand and lead them outside the city. So remember, he struck the blindness. I've seen some dramatic, uh, you know, re doings of this or whatever on like video where they blinded the people and then they've got them by the hands and the city's getting rained down with sulfur and fire and what and a story barely escaping out you know um so procrastination is not of god well and and i think don't put off today we live in america or don't put off tomorrow what you can do today and a lot of people compare america to um, israel but a lot of people also compare america to babylon or to sodom and gomorrah and there's a little bit of lot in all of us that we want to be part of the world system because we feel like we can leverage it in some way, shape, or form for our own gain. But I don't want a lot. I want less. <laughs> but lot ultimately loses everything. Um, I mean, it's not a good situation. And, and I we, think we, we got to bring up that he was at the gate of the city, which is a prominent position. Right. They're saying he's basically the mayor. Right. At least, you know, one of the... An elder. The yuppity yuck. I mean, you because know, remember, elbows. Remember when... Boaz was going to marry Ruth. He had to go to the gate. Oh, yeah, everything important and happens at the gate of the city, for sure. So I, I just think that w in this case, we can all look at Lot and see a little bit of ourselves, or at least the temptation to be a part of that system. And within the Hebrew roots, there's a lot of people that are not within biblical community, right? So like here at Beit Tehillah, we're, we're blessed because we have all these people that we Amen. can, That's can so be together it, I with. I love it. No man is an island. But how many people choose to try to go and do it on their own or they try to move off and, and you know, start their own thing or whatever, and ultimately they end up on an island by themselves? Right. That's unfortunate. You have to That's be in community. That's not the big picture to isolate yourself. You have to be in biblical community uh, in order to protect yourself from what happens to Lot, ultimately, where he's, well, you end up now, barely he, escaping you know, the judgment the of the world. Here's the thing about procrastination. You know, it's interesting, you know— um, I try to keep up with all my bills and everything, you know, because I had to have surgery and all that, and I was laid up, and I was really not ready for that. Yeah. 
and I was coming out of surgery and writing checks to pay the bills and everything. My wife would come, and but I've learned my lesson that you know get as much done as you can. Try to get ahead. Yeah, yeah. Because you never know what's going to happen I or agree. a circumstance. And and thank you, Holy Spirit. It just comes to mind that remember Cain. It says that in the process of time, he brought his offering. Sure. Now the reference is procrastination. Yeah. Like he dilly dallied around. And and the interesting thing is if if we go back to that story real quick here, just a little nugget. If we go back to what Cain did, it says right here. It says right here. Uh, he says. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Okay, this is right here. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground mm, and offering yeah. it to And in the process of time, in the Hebrew, it means the end of days. So it's kind of a twofold meeting here. You know? Sure. Some people will, will say, well, I'll give later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've had people tell me as a pastor, you know, Pastor, next year I'm getting this inheritance, and then I'm going to start tithing, and I'm like, well, you can keep it. We don't need it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's later. That's down the road. Yeah, tithing is a principle for today. That's correct. So in the process of time, see, see, and that's what happens. So procrastination isn't something that is in the kingdom of God that will give you any benefit. No, it's not. So, so here we go. We're, we're barely escaping the city as it's being destroyed. The two instructions that were given to Lot's family was to not look back, and to escape to the mountain. Now, Lot talked the angel into allowing his family to stay in a nearby city called Zoar because he feared going to the mountain. Now, this is the lowest point on earth, the Dead Sea. Yeah, yeah. But who was in the mountain? Was Was it it Abraham? It was. That's what Mike was saying. Was it the Lord? Abraham. Maybe he, knowing what happened, the fact that he just lost everything, didn't. I thought he was in Mamre, though. I thought he was in in Hebron. Uh, who, but Abraham, we're, we're going to see where. Well, yeah, but I mean, we're going to see later where he actually sees the fire and brimstone. He sees the city burning. Right, right. That's so what I mean. So he's, he's standing gotta, on the mountain watching. He's, he's got to be in a place where he can visually see all to, this. Yeah, absolutely. Let's right, just develop the story. All right. So, um, all right. So here we are. Uh, and what does the Lord rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah when the sun had risen? Brimstone and fire out of heaven. Now. There's, you know, some controversy over where exactly Sodom and Gomorrah was, but we know the Batchelder family. The Batchelders. And they actually were where the archaeologists believe this happened, and they you brought can, back brimstone. You can find brimstone in that area. And you can see, like, like, like dwelling places, like where there was a window, Oh, but it's ash and clay, and like, like it had... It had been struck with immense heat. Yeah. And and brimstone, you know, if you put brimstone on a quarter, it'll dissolve the quarter. Well, that's they did that, right? I mean, yeah. just, I watched them do it. That now, that's, insane. that's amazing, everyone, that, that that you just light that brimstone. Oh, it gets hot red. So, you so it says right it, there, sulfur. what did the Lord rain down on Sodom and Gomorrah when the sun had risen? When the sun had risen, it wasn't at night, brimstone and fire out of heaven. So would you say that today we're bringing to the people... Fire and brimstone preaching? I think there's fire and brimstone coming out of heaven or hail and all that in the Revelation. You know what else we know? We know that the Lord is not going to judge the earth through a global flood ever no. again. So then the alternative is fire. Yeah, and that's after a thousand years. He's yeah. going to make a new heaven and a new earth. So the people were given the instruction, right, to escape and to not look back in Genesis nineteen seventeen. But here we go. Uh, when we get to Genesis nineteen twenty six, what happens to Lot's wife when she looks back? She was told not to, and she became a pillar of salt. 
Man. Don't look back. But she, she didn't know that. You know, when he said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he says, when you eat from it, you will die. So the simple instructions were, don't look back. You know. That's a song. What? I think it's by Boston. Don't look back. I think there's quite a few songs about don't look back. <laughs> I don't know what the lyrics are, but it just comes to my mind. I don't either. And it's so true. What does Paul say? I press on. Ah, I press I, forward. I press forward. Leaving those things yeah. you know, behind. Right. Yep. Um, God takes a no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. No. Wow. Well, I think the point here is that, you know, why would she look back? She knows the instructions from the angels Curiosity. is to not look back. It could be regret. It could be desire, like meaning that she's uh, losing something that, of, that she perceived was valuable to her, uh, all of her things, you know. And so rather than running towards the direction that the Lord is going, she's looking back, lamenting the judgment of God. You know, we have to be on board with God's plan. God is going to, to bring judgment to certain things. Some of the judgment is good. Some of the judgment is not not great. That's why I love the Torah. It just brings order. Well, in, in that vein, we have to understand that God is a righteous and a sovereign God. And so for us, we need to be on board with his plan. And when we look back and we lament God's plan, that's not a good thing. And ultimately, she ends up being turned into a pillar of salt. So Abraham looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the smoke of the country going up as the smoke of a furnace. So I can imagine God and Abraham standing there looking out over what's happening. We're not appointed to God's wrath. No. So lots coming out. Right. Abraham is safe. Think about today, everyone. That's a picture. You're right. We don't have to have fear. God's perfect love will cast off fear. Yep. Because we're going after the promises of God, the inheritance. We're heirs according to the kingdom. Yep. And so, but think of it this way. We look at Matthew 5, verses, what is it, 17 through 19. And that verse is in by talking about the greatest and the least in the kingdom. Right. And so I see Lot as a picture of God had to literally send his angels after sign, after sign, after sign, to come and literally grab Lot by the hand and drag him out of the city. If he has to prove a point, yeah, he will. So Lot loses everything. But here's Abraham, who doesn't enjoy the judgment that's coming on the city. No, because he knows it's coming. He was told. But Abraham's house is intact. But he was given the inside scoop. Abraham has mighty wealth. His people are safe. He's safe. And he is only seeing, what does that psalm say? He says, only with your eyes shall you see the destruction of the wicked. Right? 10,000 fall at your right hand, or 1,000 fall at your your left hand, you know, 10,000 at your right, but it will not come near you. Abraham is in that position. Why? Because of his obedience. So for those of us that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, and we're walking in obedience, I can only imagine that God will put us in the position that Abraham is in. To receive what he has for us. Exactly right. And not try to escape. Now, I can't say that individually for everybody. God has an individual plan for every single person. But I see this as a pattern and a way that we should be attaining to. Amen? All right, so uh, Lot left the city of Zoar and dwelt in a cave out of fear of being in a city. So obviously the the last city he was in gets destroyed. He says, I want to be in a city, and I don't want to be without... Here's what I imagine. I imagine he escapes. I imagine he gets to Zoar, and then he sees people committing abominations. And then he's like, last time I was in well, a city where people... just see the things coming down on the city. He's like, maybe this city's next. Of course, but imagine the maybe people I, are, are... Maybe I didn't get the postscript, the PS, or the other email. Right. Or that other text. I imagine they're living the you normal know. worldly ways. He's like, I better get away from people. Amen. Amen. Because the judgment's coming. So he, he escapes um, out to a cave. And so what was the reason that was given for the firstborn daughter to the younger one about why they should sleep with their father after getting him drunk? Once again, an improper relationship. Amen. Just like Ham with, with Noah, the son, just like anything else. Um, 
situation with Sarah and Pharaoh and yeah. Abimelech and all these stories that we're going to see. Improper relationship. She wanted to preserve the seed of her father. So they thought, hey, this is it. They thought it was There's, the end of the world. It's, it's the end of the world. Yep. You know, we're going to have to do this like Noah or something, you know. And, and so Lot was unaware of what his daughters had done. And the two sons born to, born to the two daughters was Moab and Ben-Ami. So Ben-Ami is actually the country of Jordan today. Uh, Amon yep. is the capital. So Ben-Ami, and then, of course, Moab, the Moabites, mm-hmm. and Ruth was a Moabite. Well, the Moabites obviously have a lot of uh, contentious history with the nation of Israel. And, um, yeah, Israel had to go pagan around. Pagan idolatry and horrible. They had to go around the family members. Remember what, what God said? Don't make war with them. They're family. Yeah, go, but who go was a Moabitess? Them. Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. But go around them. Don't, you yeah. know, sometimes with our family members, we have to go around them. Yeah. You know, because they're family. Yeah. We don't have to, you know, do anything like that. So we're going to get into, uh, we're going to get, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, Genesis, we're in chapter 20 now. We did 18 and 19. We're doing well. Uh, this is about Abraham and Abimelech. This is about building relationships up uh, with those people around you, just like yeah. BTM in our community. So Abimelech is Abraham's powerful neighbor. He's the king of Gerar. And uh, what was the lie that Abraham tells Abimelech, king of Gerar, to said, take his Sarah wife, Sarah? was my sister. He's done it before, right? This is the second time this has happened, correct? This guy, it is, yeah, because he, he did went it down in Egypt, Egypt and did it to Pharaoh. And now he did it again. And, and, and there's a little bit of Abraham and all of us as men. Uh, I would say that was my sister to protect my life because, you know, they're going to take her. And that was the culture. If, if she's it would beautiful, protect, they're just going to take her. It's like human trafficking. Yeah, her life. It See, would protect her life. I would sun. do it. Nothing new under the sun. But you ain't taking my wife. If it's about my life, I'll fight. Let's do it. I mean, taking her. Well, because of the culture, that's what he said. But, you know, they had different mothers, but they had the same father. So it's like a half lie. Yeah. So here's what it says. It says, King Abimelech found out that Sarah was Abraham's wife because God came to him in a dream and told him to restore her back to her husband, Abraham, who God called a prophet. Now, this, this whole thing is interesting. We haven't gotten to the birth of Isaac yet, but I almost imagine that the reason that God comes to Abimelech at this point is because she is with child, and not just with any child, but with the promised seed of Isaac. Interesting, huh? And, of course, God told Abraham about the future so he would be considered a prophet. He would have that mental reminder yeah, or yeah, that yeah. mental state or, or memory to say, hey, God has shown me the future. So you would be a prophet if you shared that. So when I say the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles, I'm a prophet. Yeah. I'm telling you what God is doing. Amen. And it is happening in, in advance. And when I say, hey, we're going to have a Beit Tehillah Israel, it's like a prophet. Yeah. Oh, really? How do you know that? Because God showed me. Yeah. So now we move towards that. And if it doesn't come to pass, then you're a false prophet. Right. Ooh, that's a good point. It's so not in, good. It's not good. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 20, uh, verse 11... When Abimelech confronts Abraham about the lie, what was Abraham's response? Man, he's like, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. So, so he's Ab- saving his life. Yeah, Abraham obviously had some reason to believe that they would try to kill him. That was the culture back then. See? Right. And they're worshiping other gods. Now check this out. Not for nothing, but the last time this happened when it was with Pharaoh... Uh, Sarah was 65 years old, based on everything we can tell from the chronology of the scriptures, based on Abraham's age at the time. And that was the first time the word plague was used. This time, she's 89 or 90. So this is a good-looking woman for 90 years old. That's what I'm saying. so worried (laughs) that she's got to get nabbed. Like a Raquel Raquel Welch? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't even know who Raquel Welch is. For I the, don't know. Yeah. So, Looking for their age. Abraham and Sarah had the same father but different mothers. So this is confirmation for us that he was, in fact, only telling a half-truth. Wow. And so Abimelech gave sheep, oxen, men servant, women servants, and a thousand pieces of silver to Abraham. And this is what... Um, and this is what it says in chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. It says, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. What a good point, Ryan. And, and I want to share this with everybody that's listening or watching. This is so important that you understand two things. God has a redemptive plan in the earth today. It's always been in effect Matter of fact, the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth were laid. Amen. So God has this incredible redemptive plan being un unfolded before our very eyes. The question is, what part do you have in this redemptive plan? And, and I only say that, Ryan, because he closed up their wombs, right? Because you were messing up his plan, his covenant with Abraham. Right. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that, you know, there's a lot of accusations about, you know, in regards to replacement theology, there's there's this replacement theology that the church has replaced the Jewish people as the, the people of God now. And they, they missed it. They dropped the ball. Now it's the church. That's called replacement theology. Well, that is false. So what's happening is the whole house of Israel is made up of Jews and non-Jews. And everyone has a place, Ryan. That's why the Apostle Paul said that there's, there's natural branches, but there's wild branches. Right. And so the natural branches were broken off so the wild branches could be grafted. So once again, we're looking at God's plan. So if God has put things in your heart and your mind as far as the Torah goes, or love for Israel, to go to Israel, or love for the Jewish people, or maybe the spirit of falafel is upon you. <laughs> then you have to live this out. You know, you know that you, good old spirit of philosophy. You know what I'm saying? I tell you. So we get this package from Lev Ho'alam every month, and we give towards that, and all these goodies come in there from the land of Judea and Samaria. Yeah. And it's like, it's some of it's edible, some of it's art. But what I'm saying is that, wow, you know, when you get honey from Israel and I put it in my tea, it's special to me. Absolutely. And it's from, you know, the land of Ephraim, that mm -hmm. area or something. It's even yep. more special. Amen. So I'm only saying this for those of you that are listening that you are a son and daughter of God. You are a son and daughter of the commandments. You are part of the commonwealth of Israel, Ephesians 2. You are grafted into Romans. So once you realize this, then right actions will start coming from you as you make these choices. So, so once again, God has proven a point here to, to close up the wombs because now, you know, with Sarah being taken from Abraham, it breaks the covenant and the descendants to come. Right. So when she's released back to Abraham, he opens up their wombs and says, okay, now my plan can go forth. Yeah. And that's the thing that we all need to remember, that God's plan is going forth. And, and, and here's know, even more interesting is Abimelech gives uh, Abraham a bunch of other things, makes him even more wealthy, and gives his wife back. You know, when, when, when you have vision, God gives provision. Amen. You know, Amen. and I thank God for his provision for this church to still be open and operating. Well, and remember, some aren't. these things are tools. I, I heard this teaching, I think it might have even been through Olive Beta one time, that the land and the people and the wealth are all tools given to Abraham, given to Jacob, given That's to these men. Um, th these are not the end right. result. Those are tools for God's end result. So, so we've done chapters 18, 19, and 20. Now, in, in chapter 21, Isaac is born. Hallelujah. And so what was the name given to the son born to Abraham and Sarah, and what does it mean? It's Isaac, um, yeah. and that means laughter. Laughter. So he's 
there's Abraham, Isaac, and there's going to be Jacob. So Isaac is in the middle. Mm-hmm. He's like the meat of the sandwich of the of the patriarchs. You know, he's the meat, yeah. like Leviticus. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like Leviticus. What's so cool is he's a miracle child, right? Because right. he's born in the old age of both Abraham and Sarah, and so his name is Laughter. Why? Because this is such a bold thing that when you tell this story, people are going to be like, he was born to Sarah at 90 years old. (laughs) It is. It's laughter, you know, because God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. And so Abraham circumcised Isaac eight days after his birth. And of course, Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Now, we know that Abraham and his men servants and his whole house, all the males and Ishmael, I do believe even at the age of 13 he was, that they were circumcised. Right. And, of course, when Isaac was weaned, Abraham made a great feast. Okay, so here's Isaac now in the storyline. And so once you have the heir growing up, and you have Ishmael and Hagar as well in the same house, it's called a mixed family. Mm -hmm. Uh, When did, or what did Sarah tell Abraham to do to Hagar and Ishmael after she saw Ishmael mocking? Cast them out. Cast them out. Now, once again, we talk about an improper relationship. Right. There was something going on that was improper. Some some of the Jewish sages give a little more detail in that regard, but I would just say it was improper. Whatever Ishmael was doing to Isaac was improper. Sarah's like, you must cast uh, the mother out and the son out. And then, of course, we have this in, in Genesis 21, verse 12. And God said unto Abraham... Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now, the Arabs are not going to heed that verse. They're going to say Ishmael's the rightful heir. We don't have time to develop that right, storyline. But I can understand uh, on a technicality that Abraham and Hagar brought forth the firstborn of, of, of course, uh, Ishmael, but I will say that when the covenant was made, it was made with Abraham and Sarah. Right. It takes two to tango. Right. So Abraham and Sarah brought forth Isaac, and that's the combination. You know, it's just like my wife and I in 21 years and all of our children in this church, I I could not do any of this without her. Think about it. What could I possibly be doing by myself right now that would be greater than this? Uh, Nothing. Having the right woman? Oh, yeah. The woman makes the man great. So, so once again, you know, so God told Abraham that he was going to make Ishmael a nation. He's letting him know, hey, it's going to be okay. We're, I'm giving this thing up. I know what I'm doing. Abraham gave Hagar bread and a bottle of water and sent her away with Ishmael. So she wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And when she ran out of water, she cast her son under one of the shrubs. I've had the privilege of going to Beersheba twice. I think it's one of the fifth largest cities in Israel. It's the south part of the promised land because it'll always say from Dan to Beersheba. And so here we have this story unfolding. And God heard Hagar's cry along with Ishmael's and provided her with a well of water. And God was with Ishmael as he grew in the wilderness and he became an archer. And Ishmael dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took him a wife out of Egypt. And once again, he is going to be unequally yoked like Esau marrying those um, women of the land in Canaan that were not. You know, uh, I really feel for Hagar and Ishmael. You know, I read this story and... But his name means God hears Ishmael. Well, I think... Right. His hand would be against everyone. Right. And everyone's hand against him. Correct. But I, I, I think that sometimes, you know, people have a, I don't want to say a prejudice against Ishmael. 
and against Hagar just automatically right. because they're just not the chosen ones. Right. Right. But I just I really feel for them because I'm like, man, you know, it doesn't really hint towards the fact that Hagar did anything wrong. You know, I mean, I know that there was some contention between her and Sarah and that she may not have been as respectful. We can only imagine. But she did get the status of a wife. She did. Absolutely. But I can Hagar imagine did. because of that. That that there was some contention between her and Sarah, obviously, and that when Sarah witnesses, you know, the improper relationship and and basically um, Ishmael picking on Isaac in some way, shape, or form, whatever that was, that she's obviously upset. And so Hagar is really truly a victim of the circumstances in this case. She started out as a handmaid, just doing her handmaid duty, and then ends up getting caught up in this issue over here between Abraham and Sarah, and now they're kicked out. And so she gets her low point when she's sitting in the wilderness with no water, in the desert, thirsty. She puts her kid under a shrub so that she doesn't have to watch him die because she doesn't know what she's going to do. Because he's a young teenager. And who shows up? God shows up. Amen. And so the point here is that God is not just the God of the wealthy. He's not just the God of the kings and the queens or the princes and the celebrities. God is the God of everybody, every man, woman, and child on the earth. And he sees the circumstances that we're in and he hears us. Amen. And so it's important that we pray and that we depend on God for everything because it's not like we have to have some special status in order for God to get us through circumstances or to bring us in or out of things that, that we need. And he knows what we need and he will provide for us. Amen. That's a good word. So let's move on with uh, Abraham makes an agreement with Abimelech. So once again, all these incredible promises were made to Abraham. He has a son now. He has to cast one out. Uh, also the wife status of Hagar, which is understandable. But now all of a sudden he's going to have to deal with some problems that are within his community. Outside of his home, uh, this is, of course, uh, Abraham makes an agreement with Abimelech. So Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of the host, said to Abraham, God is with thee in all that thou doest. And so Abimelech wanted Abraham to swear that he would not deal with him falsely up to three generations, and he agreed. Like, listen, you're very prominent, you're very wealthy, you're well-to-do. He probably had the fear of God on him, too. This guy's a force to be reckoned with or whatever. Yeah. So he's trying to make an agreement with him. And, of course, Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away from him. And Abimelech said he was not aware of the incident. Now, he could have been or he not could have been. But he says, I wasn't aware of that. He's like, hey, listen, you want to make an agreement with me, but your people took a well from me. So yeah. now there's going to be a response. It's the art of the deal. <laughs> Trump comes into the room and now he listen, says, we're going to make a deal. It's going to be huge. huge. <laughs> listen, Abimelech, <laughs> this is tremendous. Yeah. So he wasn't aware of the incident. So Abraham took sheep, oxen, and gave them to Abimelech for a covenant. He says, all right, you're coming to me. You want to make this agreement? Mm. Oh, by the way, you know, you guys took a well from me, but this is what we'll do. So this is what he did. He took sheep, oxen, and gave them to Abimelech for a covenant. Um, Abraham also gave seven ewe lambs to Abimelech to establish that the well that was taken from him belonged to him. So even Abraham went above and beyond. Yeah. Okay. Abraham also gave seven ewe lambs to Abimelech to establish that the well that was taken from him belonged to him. He's like, listen, this well was mine. You're, you're not knowing anything about this. You don't know that that happened. But that is my well, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to give you the value of that to show you that value of that well. I'm going to give you something. Well, I'm going to give you something that proves that I value it. I value it. Yeah. So this covenant was made in Beer Shiva. 
So here's the uh, here's a good question, Ryan. And you're a businessman. You have a, a business, not just for business, but why is it important to make agreements with those that come into our life, like those that are around us? Why is it is it important to make an agreement? Well, like an understanding or communication. One of the foundational principles of a biblical understanding and a biblical worldview is the idea of um, free will. Everybody has free will. Everybody has the right given by God to make their own decisions for their own lives. And as long as those decisions don't negatively affect those around them, then they're free to kind of be who they are, believe how they want, and all of that. And it's not up to us to then go and enforce God's rules upon them, right? And so in this case, it's important to make these agreements because somehow we have to protect our interests and respect the interests of others at the same time. And so when we can come to a mutual understanding, hey, here's the border. Let's, let's just agree that this is the border so that I'll do my thing on this end of the border, you do yours over there, and we'll, we'll just agree on that. Without that mutual agreement, then when something happens— you can't really say much, right? So it's like it's like the idea of uh, unmet expectations in any relationship. If I didn't express my expectations to you, then when you don't meet those expectations, I can't be mad at you. I never told you that I had these expectations in the first place. And so making expectations known, making an agreement on you know how, where the boundaries are going to be so, is very important for no, successful relationships. No, that's good, Ryan. So, so the question is, why is it important to make agreements with those that come into our life? Right. So I live on Lithia Pinecrest Road. So I've had candidates approach me that were Christian conservative, yeah, Republican. I vetted them. I looked at them. They asked if they could put their sign out in front of my personal home or whatever, where I live. Yeah. So I said, yeah, I was in agreement. Sure. And they approached me. Right. So the situation uh, even happened with, uh, with another candidate. He said, listen, I know that you did this for this candidate. Mm-hmm. Would you do this for me? Right. So he approached me, and I didn't just say yes in agreement. I had to think it over and say, okay, well, let's vet this person. Let's look at the yeah. picture. And I said, yeah, you, you can do that. But see, now I'm in agreement. Yes. So, so I'm just trying to say that it makes a difference. It does. Because if you stand up to somebody and, and you don't do that, maybe God's creating an opportunity for dialogue or a relationship that otherwise would not be met had I not put those signs up. Either way. Well, and... Because you're, you're showing support for somebody else. When we make agreements and we hold to our end of the bargain, we can show the world righteousness and be a light unto the world. And if we are not having these types of relationships with people in the public sector of life in any way, shape, or form, and we're just kind of holding to ourselves like a little hermit, we're really not doing any good for the kingdom, ultimately. Right. So we're going to get into this last chapter. It's really great. This is a big chapter. I mean, I'm going to let Ryan take it over here. This is Genesis chapter 22. And of course, uh, it's all about God tests Abraham. So another circumstance. Here we go. Yeah, this, wow. could, this could also be called the Amidah. Or no, the Akidah. Sorry. The Amidah is a prayer. The Akidah. Um, so in chapter 22, what did God tell Abraham to do to his son Isaac and where did he tell him to go? He uh, offered him up as a burnt offering in the land of Moriah. Sacrifice your, your, your son Isaac here uh, between you and Sarah. Offer him up as a burnt offering so he would be totally consumed, burnt up. Because that's what a burnt offering is. It's totally consumed. You don't get any of the meat, the hide, nothing, the bones. Just the whole thing is consumed. That's what a burnt offering is. That's what he says I want you to do. So then... All of this time, right, we, we've now sent off his only other possible heir, Ishmael, right? Gone. Yeah, and Eliezer was just a servant. Eliezer, his steward. We're going to see steward. that. 
So Isaac, the promised seed, born out of his wife's old age and his old age, right? God is now saying, okay, now I want him back. I gave him to you, now, now give him back. What a, what an interesting turn of events. What a left turn. Like when you're coming through this story and you're weaving through this story, you don't see this coming, right? Unless you already know what's going to happen. What is, uh, do you know what Moriah means in Hebrew? No. Moriah. It means the place that God chooses. Moriah? Moriah. And so the place that God chooses. The place that the God chooses. Mount exactly. Oh. OMG. So he says he's sending him to the place God chooses, the land of Moriah, God's chosen place. So for those of you that know the history of how it ends up in, you know, the temple ends up in Jerusalem and all of those things, just know that even in the story of Abraham, God is sending Abraham to that place, calling it God's chosen place. So I just want to kind of set that as a let's foundational keep this, concept. Let's keep this line going here. So two other men accompanied Abraham and Isaac along with a bundle of wood. So sounds like they needed some people to carry some stuff for them. That's right, two servants. And on the third day, interesting that it's the third day, Abraham saw the place afar off. So he sees in the distance, he sees that's, that's Moriah. And so what did Abraham tell the two young men that he and Isaac were going to do? He simply stated to them, listen, we're going to go worship. And then we're coming back. So he said, we, then we are coming back. Yeah, we are coming back. So in Abraham's head, he thinks he's going to sacrifice we're gonna, Isaac. We're going to go worship, and we're going to come back. Interesting. So Abraham carried the fire and a knife while Isaac carried the wood. So I see a parallel here between Yeshua carrying the cross, the wood, and Isaac carrying the wood. Do you see that parallel? Does that, does that make sense? Say that again. I see a parallel between... Jesus carrying the cross and Isaac carrying the wood. Wow, there you go. So the very thing that he's going to be sacrificed right. on, he's carrying up the mountain. That's good. Whereas the um, the tools of his actual demise That's are right. being carried by Abraham. So while they're going up the mountain in Genesis chapter 22, verses 7 and 8, what question did Isaac ask his father and what was Abraham's response? Well, you know, he says, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Right. And, and this was Abraham's response. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So, so that's interesting. So God will provide himself. He must have a revelation then. He'll provide himself. Because Abraham's got the fire and the knife. Fire and the knife. Yeah. And Isaac's got the wood. And and this is all about sacrifice. And he's like, uh, yeah. Um, I don't see a lamb. Where's the animal? <laughs> it's interesting. That's interesting. So he doesn't see it. He's starting to kind of get the idea of what's going on. And he's a on. teenager. He's oh, not some little lad. He's not some little no, boy. No, no, he's in his 30s. You think he's that old? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, when you go through the chronological order So he's, he's ages, older. He's in between He's the, not some little boy. Well. That's the wrong depiction, isn't it? The, the general consensus based on the scriptures is that he was 37. And he had to consent to this. But we know that he's anywhere between 30 and 37. So when you take Age a, of accountability. So here's another comparison, right? How old was Yeshua? He was 33. Right? So he's right around the same age Yeshua was. That's good. So we're looking at this, basically a picture, a prophetic picture of what is to come for Yeshua. So it says here, though, that God will provide himself a lamb. And if you study that out, it's, it could be a play on words. God will provide for himself a lamb, or he will provide actually himself, meaning God himself comes right. in the flesh. God himself, Yeshua. And provides it, and provides That's himself good. as a lamb. So after Abraham built an altar and put the wood on it, he bound Isaac and placed him on the altar. All right, things are getting serious. This is, you know, at first this was cute. 
But now, like, when you tie Isaac up, you know, if I'm Isaac, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. What mm. o- obedience, though, that oh, Isaac had toward Abraham. Insane. I got to try to get my kids to take out the trash. Yeah, this is. This Honor. Is, yes, absolutely. I mean, he, he bound him up. Faith. On the wood. Yeah, and on the wood. <laughs> I mean, he's got fire and a knife, yeah, and he no. binds him up on the wood, and, and I'm sure he's just looking at the dad. Yeah. Or maybe he's on the other side of him. Yeah. I, I don't know how that looks. He probably was behind him or so. I don't know. It doesn't look good. I don't think I would be the son and want to see the knife coming down on me. No, no. So that's the whole thing. Though. Let's finish the story. So here we go. So Abraham stretches forth his hand to slay his son with a knife, and the angel of the Lord called out to him to stop him. God's never late. So he's right here and stop. Oh, okay, okay. All he right. was going to do it. I mean, it. we're talking last second. He didn't pace. He wasn't thinking about it. He didn't sit on a rock. He did everything that he was asked to do. And it's really not that difficult, is it? Let's just do what God's asked us to do. I don't, this is pretty difficult. No, that's a hard thing to have to do. <laughs> but he was given those instructions. So yeah. do, does he have to try to figure it out? Yeah. No, like like when, when, when the Lord told me Judah approaches Joseph, that Torah portion. Right. right? Right. He told me, he says, the Jews are going to start calling you. Let them come. Let them come. And it, and it happened. Yeah. That's all I had to do was let them come. Hmm. That's a good word. It is a good word. You know, I think about, you know, I have one son, right? He's also my oldest child. So I look at this and I'm just like, man. This is it. That's all I got. When you think about Abraham in this position, I I just, it's beyond. It's a miracle to have him. And now you want to take him? Yeah. Boy, that that shows God's sovereignty. I wouldn't have made it to Moriah, right? Like you're saying. We can't speculate because when we talk to Abraham, he's going to tell us the truth, though. See, we think, oh, Abraham this and Abraham that. Yeah. He (laughs) knew it was all going to work out. He's probably going to say, I had no idea. Uh, I mean, he could say, you know, I just kind of blacked out or I kind of or whatever. But he's going to be like, I didn't think about it. I just did it because if I thought about it, yeah, I might not do it. Abraham had real. So faith. think about these people that we're going to get the real story. There'll be no fake news in heaven. Yeah. So here's the cool part. So the angel stops him at the last second, which obviously is a relief to Abraham at this point. Right. And lo and behold, a ram caught in a thicket was used as a substitute for a burnt offering. In a thicket, like Mike said, the crown of thorns. Interesting. Yeah. So a thicket is like thorns and yeah. thistles. So yeah. So this ram was caught in a thicket with its horns. And know. and you know and I so have animals, like, and I have I have untangled animals that go through my woods or whatever, sheep or goats, and they get caught up in vines and stuff like that. Literally caught in a thicket. I've I've done that. So this is not like a oh how's the ram going to get caught? Well, trust me, they get caught. They they do. Um, now. Because of this, Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will see or the Lord will provide. He's going to do it. He's going to do his it. It's his plan. And he it does goes it. Back, this is all about spiritual laws, too. Amen. And so because of Abraham's obedience, his seed will be like the stars of the heaven, the sands of the seashore, and possess the gate of his enemies, and all nations of the earth will be blessed. Hallelujah. You know, this is some real faith, and it's awesome to have a patriarch, a father who has gone before us and has been a shining example for us. Because not ever, all of us look at our earthly fathers, our earthly grandfathers, and have this type of a shining example. But if we are in Christ, then we are the seed of Abraham, and we can look to Abraham as a good shining example for us, for us to be like him and to have the faith That's of Abraham. That's good. That's a good word. So Abraham returns back to the two young men, and they return back to Beersheba. So what happened? His prophecy came true. We will return, and they, in fact, And some say that maybe he believed in resurrection, that if I kill my son, God's still going to bring him back because yeah. he promised me. So this is all speculation. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. And so Abraham returns back, and then here's the question. How is the binding of Isaac, the son of Abraham, a picture of Yeshua, the son of God? All right, I just have two verses okay, that I want to share. John one twenty nine. here's John the Baptist. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The sin. Wow, you know, hallelujah. From eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe, that sin. Uh, and then, of course, we know that Yeshua died on the cross because of adultery. Yep. Uh, we broke covenant so uh, that's that verse and then of course the famous verse and you'll see this in any football game except today well with these cardboard cutouts that they're putting out in the stands why can't you put out a john three sixteen? why not for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life so his only begotten son you know, among the Arabs, even in the Dome of the Rock, and I actually saw a sign that God has no sons and begets no sons. Right. So they're basically mocking this statement in the scriptures that he has no son. He begets no son. Uh, and so that's the, the thing about Christianity, that we believe that, that Jesus is the son of God, but he is God. So when you see the, the, the word here, the only begotten son, that's the only begotten son between Abraham and Sarah, not just Ishmael. His only begotten son between Abraham and Sarah. See, right. Well, and it says that, right? I mean, I think one of the big verses is chapter 21 and verse 12 that ends. It says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So when we talk about yeah. the seed of Abraham, we're referring to Isaac. Absolutely. And, and, and I want to remind all of you that the binding of Isaac is called the, the Akedah. And it's read on the second day of Yom Teruah. Now, Yom Teruah is celebrated for one day, but in the Hebrew calendar, they, they, they celebrate it for two days, uh, whether you're outside the land of Israel or in the land of Israel. And I want to say to you that Genesis chapter 22, the binding of Isaac, is the reading of the scriptures in the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar on the first day. So what a revelation for the Jewish people to read this every year the binding of Isaac, that they were, he was going to offer up his son and that he didn't have to. And, and so we have, of course, in closing here, Nahor's family genealogy, who, who, of course, was Abraham's brother, Nahor's family genealogy. Now, what an incredible storyline with Abraham and all these circumstances and these stories that he's telling. Oh, yeah. He's living out. And then, of course, he was part of the active family. But Nahor is inactive. Of course, that's his sure. brother. He passed away. And he was, of course, he had a son named Lot, Nahor. And Abraham took Lot, his nephew, as like even his own son or relative or whatever, and took care of him, you know. Yeah. And so we can see this unfolding. So last but not least, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Vayira, and he appeared. Genesis chapters 18 all the way through chapter 22. I'm going to share my two thoughts here uh, quickly here. Uh, these are the two lessons that I've learned from this portion. Number one, Abraham had quick obedience. Hallelujah. Didn't drag his feet. He got it done. He knew it needed to get done. He had just been circumcised, and he jumps up, and he runs to his guests. He ministers to them, you know. He does all these things. So Abraham had quick obedience, and that's the thing that we need to be is decisive, not indecisive. Number two, I love this. Abraham had to go through many different circumstances, but always believed in the promise. Oh, wow, yeah. So there was no backing out of the promise because of all of these circumstances. Sure. Whether his wife was taken or he did offer up his son 
or the situation with Lot, he, he always held on to the promise mm-hmm. that God had made to him. And that's a word for some of you that are listening to this or watching this, that you are going to go through circumstances. But hang on to the promise because he's hanging on to you. Amen. So, you know, the, the covenant that was made, my two, I'll give you my first one. The covenant that was made with Abraham, God put him to sleep. And so God, uh, the, the covenant was unconditional because it solely rested upon the covenant giver. That's God. right. He initiated it. Right. And so because of that, the same idea is applied to what Yeshua did for us on the cross and the covenant that was ratified by his blood. And what he did for us is unconditional, meaning we just have to believe and have faith to receive right. the covenant. So the same thing with Abraham's covenant is the same thing with the covenant that's, with Yeshua. That's right. And so I think the big deal here for us is that God loves us so much that he won't even allow us to get in our own way. That's true. Right? And when we think about it, I look at the, the contrast between Abraham and Lot, and I say, be like Abraham. Don't be like Lot. Don't wait till the last minute to be obedient, right? As you mentioned, be quick to obedience with God. Even, be decisive. Make even decisions. Even if the world is looking at you like your obedience or the way you do things is yeah. weird, it's not in the world system, or that it doesn't put you in the best financial situation or whatever it is, right? Right. Abraham, when Lot was leaving, said, okay, you pick whichever way you want to go, and I'll just go the other way. Isn't that the truth? Because God's going to take care of because he had true faith. Amen? Yeah, and for us here at Beit Tehillah, you know, if we build a strong community and raise it the next generation, the whole Beit Tehillah Israel is another bridge. It's another part of this. Yeah. But every day I wake up, how can I make Beit Tehillah better? Yeah. How can we make disciples? How can we get people to serve or share the vision and the load? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I live for. So I don't have to worry about freelancing or anything else. That's what I focus on. Yep. So my second point, which kind of goes along with my first point, is Genesis chapter 22, verses 17 and 18. Um, Abraham has passed the test. And it says this. It says, well, we'll do 16 through 18. It says, and, and um, so God speaking to him and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So let me ask you a question today. Is the enemy at the gate? We need to take the gate back and Amen. be gatekeepers. That's right. Doesn't it say in Psalm 127 that our children will speak to the enemies in the gate? It does. So that means that in our righteousness of Christ or in God, and we do what he tells us to do, we will usurp those that are wicked in the gates of influence. Right. I just think That's that good. it's important to be obedient. Says, be, why? Because you obeyed my voice. And so I just, I think that's awesome. I'm so thankful for Abraham as an example for us, as a patriarch. Um, you know, in the end of the Old Testament, right, in Micah, it says that he'll turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the fathers of the children. That's good. My heart, when I read these verses about Abraham, my heart is turned towards Abraham. I see the good and bad decisions that he made, but always, always, always he aligned himself with God and when God gave him specific instructions, he obeyed. Period. End of story. And so we can make other, you know. And I think God reveals himself in deeper levels as we oh, move absolutely. down the line. Because doesn't it say that he showed himself to Moses yeah. more than he even did to Abraham? Mm, that's right. Yeah. So tell us who the. Uh, oh, that's right. Who's the winner? We have a lucky winner. And so um, my instructions were pretty simple, right? Go to the Facebook or the YouTube 
like the page, subscribe, do all those good things, and then leave the comment, pick me. Yeah, the comment, pick me. And so out of the qualified folks, we did our drawing, and guess what? Miss Deborah Lewis. Debbie Lewis is our lucky winner. Debbie Lewis, come on down! That's what I'm talking about. And so we have uh, Joshua Aaron. We have three CDs. These are great CDs. We have Every Tribe, Who You Vote, or He Will Come, and uh, we have You Are Holy. And so these are three great CDs. That will Uh, be mailed to you. They will be. We will get them mailed out to you. We love you, Debbie. We miss you also, by the way. Yes. And um, And her her mother. Yeah, and Bobby, right? And Bobby. And so we'll get these sent out. Um, I'm going to have other giveaways in future podcasts. And so I hope that you guys will listen so that you guys get the opportunity to win some cool giveaways and stuff like that. Um, But as you guys know, we're trying to get the word out that the Torah is relevant for today. We need your help. Like, subscribe, share, 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 share. Actually, if you could do anything for me, is to share the videos either through the YouTube or through the Facebook page. It would be very helpful. That's awesome. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this incredible time together as we got into the Word. The Word got into us. Father, may you be glorified. May your Son, Yeshua, be lifted up so that all men, women, and children may be drawn unto him, for he is the root of the olive tree of, of Israel. And so, Father, we want to thank you for all the listeners and those that watch this, Father, that they'll be changed. They are sons and daughters of God, that they're good enough and that you love them. And, Father, you are putting together this great Mishpachai, which is, of course, the family in Hebrew. You're putting it together, and we just rejoice to see it in our day. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, guys. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Have a great week.